friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 14, Sasha interviews Dr. Neka Unachukwu. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show, everyone. I'm so glad you tuned in today. I have a wonderful friend and entrepreneur on the show and a leader in medicine, and she is going to talk with us about so many cool things today about entrepreneurship, our healthcare climate, about marketing, and just deliver so much great content. I'm super excited about my guest today. But first, I want to encourage you, I am going to be launching the Between Grit and Grace Book Club, and this is going to be um, a free book club that you can join after purchasing my book. So go to becomebraveenough.com, log in and purchase grit and grace. Once you do that, you can get enrolled in my book club. That's going to be on a private Facebook group. And I'm going to lead a weekly discussion through each chapter. And we're going to have a ton of fun and it's going to be great to really go through some highlights and some pearls in each chapter and things that are applicable to our life as women, when we are often struggling with this likability backlash where we have success on one side and we have what feels like our authenticity, our authenticity or being liked on the other side. And we're walking this very narrow tightrope. So I hope you want to join the book club and I hope you want to read the book. It's going to be super fun. So head on over to becomebraveenough.com and find out about the book club. But without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Dr. Neka Unachukwu. She is the founder of Ivy League Pediatrics, which besides being an amazing practice and a business owner, she is also a leader in the space of medical entrepreneurs. And she trains physicians and those in healthcare how to become entrepreneurs marketing practices, several different things through her online courses and her teaching and conferences. She's just an amazing woman who has really encouraged me in my own journey to become an entrepreneur. And so I'm so honored to have her on the show today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. I'm really excited to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. For those living under a rock and don't know who you are in medicine, tell, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Uh, where do you live? Where do you practice? Tell us a little bit about your family and then tell us about your passion. Well, so I live in Atlanta. I think is the best state in the United States to live. So I chose here <laughs> to live. <laughs> I've been married for 13 years at this point. I have four children um, from 11 years to four years. So needless to say, I'm pretty busy. Um, I grew up everywhere. So I, I was born in California, did a lot of my growing up in Nigeria, came back to the United States after medical school, landed in New Jersey and did my residency there. But of course it was too cold for me to live there. So I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta is like the best city and then you could really say that because you've lived all over the United States. I've, I've lived in a lot of places. <laughs> That's amazing. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. <laughs> and I'm a pediatrician by training. I run my own practice, Ivy League Pediatrics, and we're about to hit our 10th year. So that's very exciting. And 
my, the second phase of my career was then taking what I've learned in my almost 10 years as an entrepreneur and helping other physicians embrace entrepreneurship as well. So have you always owned your own practice? 15 months out of residency. That's when I started. <laughs> oh my goodness. So how did you do that? Like, tell us about that. Like what were, what were, what was the inner dialogue? To start with, it was a little accidental. I had no plans of owning a practice whatsoever, but the first job I got, I worked for a pediatrician who was a neonatologist So he worked in the hospital and didn't come to the practice at all to see patients. So I functioned as if I was a practice owner, even though I wasn't. I was the only doctor there. I trained the staff. I would go out to do some light marketing, but I was an introverted introvert. So it's not like I did any heavy lifting per se. But after my contract was up, I was going to move. And, you know, he tried to get me to do a five-year contract. I was like, you know... I mean, I've been married for three years. I did residency for three years. I have no concept of five. That's like super long. Um, And he's like, yeah, so just go start your own practice. And I'm like, what do you mean start your own practice? Nobody starts to practice a year out of residency. He's like, well, you're doing everything here. I'll train you on what to do. You know, so a series of things happened after that. And, you know, a few months later, there we were with, you know, our own practice. So it's accidental. (laughs) That's amazing. And you, and you didn't like, uh, okay. So you said something, you said you're an introvert, which really surprises me because I would see you on social media and teaching and standing on stages. And I think that most people would assume that you are extremely extroverted. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. (laughs) So, well, okay. So this is a decade in to start with, but, um, when I started, I was really introverted and really shy. Like I would not have a one-on-one conversation um, with somebody that I don't really know because it wasn't my thing. If I went to an event, I'd stay at the back of the room and chat up one person real quick so nobody tries to come talk to me. Um, So you're like, yeah, she's busy having a conversation, leave her alone. And I definitely would not get on stage, you know, um, but really? I would okay, not get on is, stage. This is phenomenal because this is not <laughs> what you teach. You teach people how to give talks and how to speak and public speak and market and all these things. It's amazing. Yep. And, and part of the passion and the drive is I didn't realize how much of a handicap it was hanging on to being an introvert almost as a clutch, you know, like, yeah, I can't mm-hmm. do that because I'm an introvert. I'm still an introvert. Like if I need to relax and all that, I want to be by myself. I'm, I'm happiest when I'm taking a walk or reading a book or I still want to, I'm still an introvert, but I'm not hanging on to the shyness. If I show up on stage, I'm going to dominate the stage. If I need to market because that's what you need to do to build a profitable business, then I'm going to do it. I just have to let go of that. Yeah. That's really interesting because it's funny when I'm listening to you because I had this perception in my mind for, for probably at least a year and a half when, before I was starting brave enough that I would only start brave enough when I like, you know, lost 20 pounds and looked like a model. Wow. Okay. (laughs) In my brain, I thought I cannot be a social figure and I can't put myself out there on social media outside of my private small group that is my tribe in a public way until I look perfect. 
So for me, that was a real, that was really challenging because I was like, well, I don't, I I mean, finally I had to realize like, I just got to do this because that's part of the beauty of it is that I, I am who I am and I'm not perfect, but it took me a long time. So I was using that as a crutch. I think I was using like, well, I need to lose 20 pounds, so I can't do it yet. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't, I I don't, I'm glad you didn't wait to look perfect. I mean, I think you look perfect, but you know, <laughs> and perfect yeah. is the best version of ourselves, right? You know, I, exactly. I, exactly. I think you look and great. I, yeah. And, and you know, it's so funny because like, what is like is something that superficial was really holding me back, but I think it was more, I had fear around failing and I was using that like as an excuse, excuse. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's really interesting. I think people, and especially the lay public, assume that physicians understand business practices. Oh my goodness. Where did they get that from? <laughs> <laughs> so you you teach, I mean, you teach business practices to physicians. And what do you what are some of the common misconceptions that physicians have around entrepreneurship? There are a number. The, I think the biggest one is not realizing that we need a whole nother ed- education to thrive there, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, we've got, we, we do at least a decade of training, right? Like, so it's kind of like when you're done, you're like, woohoo, like I don't have to invest myself in studying anything else. So coming to that realization that what you did for your medical training made you a great clinician. But if you're going to be a great entrepreneur, you need a whole nother set of training. You're going to have to invest yourself, not as much as med school and residency, but you are. So I think it comes to a shock. Um, we think I'll hang the shingle and people will come and we hang the shingle and people just don't come, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's a totally different thing. I think we have a lot of issues around money hangups because uh, it's kind of like you already make all this money. Why are you trying to be an entrepreneur like to make more money that makes you greedy, you know, or yeah. you know, there are other people you should be helping. There are poor people in the world. Why are you trying to make more money? You know, so that's another big hang up that, you know, a lot of doctors have. And I think the whole marketing thing is really big, you know, and one of the biggest problems any business will have is obscurity. Like people don't know you're there. So to let them know you're there, you're going to have to market. And it's so against anything we do as physicians, you know, to put ourselves out there to say, come use my stuff. It's just so anti our professional code of conduct, if you will, in a way. Um, So those are some of the things that just make it really hard for us to, to embrace that. This is so interesting because I'm listening and I'm like, yes, yes, and yes, because I've had, I have those thoughts and they're really thought distortions because if we want to help people, we have to have means to do so. And we should be, you know, I think most people in healthcare know that we need to be financially responsible and we need to be fiscally responsible. And yet it's nothing that we learn in medicine about how to market or how to even educate on our services or what we offer or what we're doing or what, or what physicians even do. Um, 
And I think it's something that you're right. We feel like it's anti-altruistic or it's, it's not something that we should be in the business of. But as healthcare has become owned by large companies and not by physicians, this is definitely a skill that we should be teaching. How do, you, how, how do you see this changing in the next, say, 10 years? Wow. Um, I, uh, I, think it's, I think it's not going to be really easy for anybody that doesn't pivot, that doesn't adapt. Um, I think it was in 2016 where I had this rude awakening, you know, almost like an aha moment where it dawned on me that medicine as I had known it was gone. You know, like it may still look like it's the same, but it's changed. And if I didn't change, I was going to be left behind. So I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? When I was a resident, minute clinics were not a thing. Retail clinic, like I never in my life thought that CVS would be my competition. Like that thought didn't exist. Telemedicine wasn't a big thing. Um, Amazon wasn't trying to get into the healthcare space. It's, it's just so many changes that are happening. And never in my life did I think that physicians wouldn't have job security, that physicians would be fired, like just because you're expensive to keep here. Like those are just things that didn't happen. And I came to the, I came to the conclusion that my clinical skills are really good But to survive in the times that are coming, I need to have business skills as well. I have to have both to thrive. And that's when I came up with the line that your MD is no longer enough. Your MD is great. I mean, like, it's great. It's a noble profession. It's noble training. But it's no longer enough. We need to add other skills to that. So when I saw Amazon Cares, when it launched and all that stuff, I'm like, man, this is going to be interesting. I mean, if they build their healthcare system their own healthcare system, for instance, they have 566,000 employees. And even even if they had only two people per household, you're talking about over a million people that all of a sudden, but they're like, we don't need you anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so it's so many changes, so many. Wow. Yeah. So how did you, what were some early things that happened that some, what were some early failures that you had to overcome Oh boy! Um, that maybe you would teach uh, a physician coming out that is wanting to open up their own practice or wants to start marketing their clinic or their practice. What were some of your failures and your mistakes that, that you learned that you could share with others? So the, the biggest one has to be I wouldn't market. I so when I <laughs> when I started my practice, I was like, I'm a good I'm a good clinician, you know, I'm a great pediatrician. I have this beautiful looking facility, and the people are just gonna come. Well, they didn't. <laughs> they, they didn't come, and I would sit in the office and wait for them to come. And the the thought of doing the things that would make my practice grow scared me spitless, right? The thought of going out to an OBGYN and say, hey, I'm a new pediatrician on the block. Send me your patients, you know? The thought of the patients I already have, having them write me reviews so that, you know, I could have that social capital and, you know, brand awareness and stuff like that. I wouldn't do it. Um, I didn't even tell 
my friends and family that I had a, you know, a, a practice because I'm like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to ask them for stuff. I don't want to promote myself. I, I just was not going to promote myself. I thought things would just happen. And wow. uh, I had to learn, you know, you look at the bank account and then you, you know, preach yourself a short Jesus message and <laughs> you're like, okay, <laughs> we have to right. do what we have to do. And it, it's actually out of that failure that when I finally figured it out, I was like, it is not half as complicated as we make it. And so I started showing others how to do it. Um, another big thing was delegation, right? Like building a team, getting staff on board, hiring and firing. I mean, it takes courage to do that, you know? Mm. Um, courage of, can I pay this person? When I brought the first physician on, I'm like, you mean like a six-figure salary? I'm responsible for it. I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. know. I can, I can see the patients for now. <laughs> right. No, it's true. It's a huge responsibility. And having employees is really about, it, it's, an, it's another level of, um, it, it really holds you accountable. Because yeah. when you have an employee, you have to not just pay them, but you have to produce work for them. And you have yep. to be organized and you have to stay on top of, that, you know, you have to be basically equip them to do their daily job. And so it's funny when people say like, well, who helps you with all this brave enough? And I say, well, I have like three employees and they're like, oh, that's really nice. You have all this help. And I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I have help, but it's also terrifying because I know that I'm held accountable to make sure that we are moving in the right direction, that there's work to be done and that the work that we're doing is profitable and is positive and is in line with our mission so that we can keep growing, which is a huge responsibility. It, it is. And you have to train them. Like I kept going, yeah. like, why, do, why do these people not get it? I'm like, you're the boss. You, your employees always come as raw material, no matter how great they are. You're the one that has to develop them into what you need you're still going to have to build the culture. You're still going to have to, you know, it's, it's your responsibility. So it's huge. And if they're not performing, you have to fire them. And that's yeah. almost harder than all the other stuff put together. Oh, it is, it is so much harder than, than all the other stuff. I mean, yes. Um, I, I think that setting jobs expectations <laughs> and telling people when they haven't met them and telling people when they have met them is really difficult. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's one of the most, it's, it's not fun, but it, it's, it isn't. it's what we're called to do when we're in leadership and when we're, especially when we're employing people. Yep. And if you don't get that part right, you can grow. Like right. you're, you're there. So the only way to go up is to get a team on board. So they may cause you a lot of pain, but it's the only way to get to the top. There's no other way. Yeah, and and also it's the only way to really be fair, you know, because I know that in my own life, the times where people that are on my team that either in my, you know, day clinical job or my uh, brave enough uh, mission is, is to, I have to really look and go, okay, have I told that person what I expected them? <laughs> like, have I clearly outlined it and then they have not done it because that's different than just expecting someone to do it. And so I think it's, it's very 
it's a, it's a growth curve and it's something that you grow as when you are in business. But again, this is not a skill that someone taught us as physicians. So it's scary and it seems like totally, it, it seems like a completely different type of medicine almost to practice in some way. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? I mean, it, it's it true. Is. It is. And, and so, as part of our training, we're, we're wired to do a lot of things on our own and to require perfection. And <laughs> it doesn't work that well with the team. You, you know, like you have to put up with some things that maybe didn't go as well as you would want it, you would have wanted them to, to go. And you have to let up on some of the perfection, right? Like a B plus, well, we can work with that, you know? Yes. Yes. So how did you, like, what all are you doing now to, I mean, I know you have conferences and classes, but like, say someone is listening and they're like, I, I need to, I've always wanted to start my own practice. I just don't even know where to start. What's the first thing you do with someone? The very first thing I do is, is a mindset shift because that's what, that's where it all starts from. So if somebody wants to start a practice and say, we were going to be working together, um, I do have a course that I would have them go through called the Freedom Formula Masterclass. And really what it is, is it's a mindset shift. It gives you the tools and strategies you need for marketing because marketing is huge. You know, how do I put myself out there? How do I get the clients coming? And then we can worry about the taxes and all that stuff, right? But you have to have people come in first. And it provides you with the accountability because a lot of times we know what to do. Um, we just don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it provides the accountability and then the community. Because then again, I don't know if this has been your experience, but I find that entrepreneurship can be really lonely, especially yeah. as a physician. It's kind of like you're a weird person and you have weird yeah. thoughts and you have weird yeah. ambitions, you know? And yes. to be in a community with fellow quote unquote weird people. And so everybody can encourage themselves, um, encourage each other and get to those goals that we want to, to get to. Cause it's, it's quite the journey. That's the truth. So, so I want to talk about that for just a second, because you said something about being ambitious and feeling isolated. And I have, I have had those feelings often and I feel often when the more I am ambitious, the, the less likable I am. Mm. And I've had to really kind of struggle with that because oftentimes I, I feel like ambition in men is seen as something really positive, but ambition in women is almost seen, you're, you're like an alien or it's just not a likable trait in women. Yeah. And I've struggled with that. Um, you know, as a, as a woman. And I wonder if you've ever felt that way or how you've processed those feelings. I feel that, I feel that way pretty often. And sometimes, you know, I sit and I'm working on a new project and I'm like, you do know this is self-induced. Nobody's requiring this of you. But, but I, I think that, what keeps me going in spite of all that, and no matter how I feel, is I'm very in tune with the fact that when I die, I want to die empty. 
I want to die having done everything I could do, bless the world as much as I could bless it, make the changes I could have made in people's lives where I'm like, whew, that was a good run. I'm done. And the thought of being, having regrets at 85 when I don't have the time or the energy to go back and fix it drives me to do everything I can now. Like the feelings I have now, I'm not going to have them when I'm 85. I've literally Mm -hmm. sat down and written what I want to have read at my funeral. And I'm like, if I want that read, then I best get to work now. Wow. So that's what kind of holds me accountable and keeps me going because I have those feelings. I have them all the time. Like you, you, you're a pediatrician, you have a practice, you're working two days a week. What more can you possibly want? So I don't have to do Entree MD. I don't have to do a podcast. I don't have to do a conference. I don't have to do any of that. But what is driving me is I want at the end of the day, For there to be 80,000, 100,000 doctors who are like, you know, there was a major disruption in my time. And because of Dr. Una, I was on the right side of that disruption. Mm -hmm. I want people to be able to say my finances still work, my career still work because I met her. Oh, I want people to say, you know, podcast episodes she did made me start my own practice. That's what I want. And that's what kind of keeps me going. Wow, that is amazing. I'm taking notes because I just got chills when you said that. When you said, when I die, I want to die empty, so I better get to work. <laughs> that's just an amazing, that's an amazing quote. And, ama- and really, it's an amazing mantra to live by and think about because I think sometimes when we as people, as humans, often find ourselves collecting possessions or collecting power as a means to success. But what I hear you saying, it's about people and serving people and pouring yourself out, being true to yourself and living life to the fullest to where you have nothing else to give on your deathbed, which is an amazing just way to think about living your life. I I love that. Yeah, that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So I know everyone's going to be listening and thinking, oh my goodness, how does she get, how does she do, how do you do this? How do you run Entre MD and how do you have four children and how do you own your own practice and how do you train all these other doctors to be entrepreneurs and start their own practices? And like, how do you do all of this? Talk to me about your time management. So I, so there are two things. One is that I try my best to manage my time. And not just from the time management tactics, but from a point of focus. So mm. I'm really good at procrastinating and not doing things that don't <laughs> take. I'm so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> at things that don't take me towards my goal. So mm. I'm very clear. These are the things I want to accomplish this year. There would be cute things, fancy things, but they're not going to take me there. I don't do them. I just... Don't. So I have a lot of undone things and I'm not worried about them. Um, But the bigger piece is that I have a lot of help. I have so much help. Um, It it helps that my husband is really big on if you don't have to do it, don't do it. So I don't get any kickback or anything like that. Right. Right. So I'm really, so I I have, have a nanny who works, who helps me with my kids. I have another lady who helps me with my school run, um, you know, as far as taking the kids to school and all of that. I have a personal assistant who runs a lot of my life. 
Um, in my practice, I have a really good practice administrator. Like she's, whew, she's the absolute best. Um, so I have, uh, and I'm not ashamed to ask for help. My mantra is there's no reward for doing it alone. None. Right. So I ask for a lot of help. Um, I'll tell you something funny. Um, we're women. So, um, when I had my last daughter, she's, she's four years old now. Um, I, I have a lot of women that I mentor. I have a lot of them. So when I had her, they actually made a roster of people who would spend the night with the baby. So I was literally up with her maybe nine nights. That's it. And wow. every night I'm like, okay, they're like, I'm the one here today. Excellent. You know, the, the video cameras there, all that stuff. I'm like, I'll see you guys in the morning. Off to bed. I was acting like someone who had teenagers. Like, <laughs> wow, that is amazing. This is brilliant. I wish I would have had that. That's so awesome. So that is so awesome. A lot of help. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. That's really amazing. That's super cool. Um, so. So many times when people, you know, see you, I think they, they think like, oh my, like they're just very impressed with you and maybe even a little afraid to approach um, you because you are so successful. So if someone's listening, how would you encourage them to reach out to you? Where can they find more about your website and your help? Because you are a helper. You are an encourager and a helper. But I think you're so impressive that I could see where people are a little gun-shy to reach out. So take that away and just, you know, invite the listeners and tell us how we can get to know you and how we can and how that you can help them. I'm 100% a helper. Oh my goodness. Do you know I had never thought of that perspective where people might be yeah, but maybe I can't reach her. I am 100% accessible. I'm here for people. <laughs> like, I literally am. <laughs> so um, my social media, I have no problem with somebody, you know, reaching out, sending me a DM or a PM. I'm at Dr. Una Chuku um, as one word, I believe probably be in the show notes or so, because it's a lot of consonants. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you can absolutely 100% PM me. I have no issues with that. Um, my website is entremd.com. So that's E-N-T-R-E-M-D.com. And I'm also the host of a podcast where every week we talk things all physician entrepreneurship. And it's called the Entree MD Podcast. But I'm, I'm so accessible. I'm here for people. That's what I'm here for. I love it. I love it. And I know you are. And that's why I wanted you to pitch this because you are so successful and so together that I think sometimes people see you on social media and I know they do the same for me. They, they look at me and they think like I'm doing all these things and they think I have it all together. And the truth is like, I haven't taken a shower in 36 hours and there's no milk in the house. And Sounds about right. I, yeah. <laughs> piling up and I'm late on a manuscript and you know that's the real story so I always want to tell people if they want to reach out to me like please do and share anything because I've been there um, and I know you're you feel similarly and you're very approachable so I just want to thank you for coming on the show this has been so informative and helpful and I know there's people listening that are probably thinking, gosh, I really don't have the business acumen. I don't have the knowledge of how to start a practice or I have a practice, but I'm not sure how to market myself or 
I'm not sure how to grow a team or lead a team. So I love that you have come on the show and shared your mission and your passion, which is to do all those things and to equip physicians to be successful in their careers. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. And I want to say a big thank you for everything you do with the Become Brave Enough platform, um, what you do with the conferences and the Facebook group. And I'm super excited about your book. And I'm <laughs> going to be part of your book club. I, okay. I, I saw yes. it on the website today. She's like, put your order receipt. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning my stuff and I'm going to be a part of the book club. Um, but I'm so grateful for what you do, especially because even though entrepreneurship can be seen as a hard skill, um, we, we still have the issues with imposter syndrome and dealing with criticism and having your own community and all of that stuff. So bringing that aspect of it is so valuable and I truly appreciate it. I love being a part of the Facebook group. Um, even though in the beginning I was like, style, I don't know if I belong there, but it's been such, it's been such a blessing for me. You so belong. And I, and that's one of the things I love the most about social media is the connections that we make. And I consider you a dear friend. And I just, I always feel like every time we talk, it's like we're having coffee or, you know, sharing a meal. So I love that. And I just want to encourage the listeners, if you're listening and you need help, check out EntreMD. It's an amazing site and, and place and resources. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.